Beyond the Mic with Sean Dillon. We're joined on the star line by a man of many talents, actor, comedian, award-winning children's book author, podcaster, and more. He's also a dad sending his son off to college. We're joined by author Michael Ian Black. Welcome. Hello. Let's go beyond the mic. Your book, A Better Man, serves as part memoir, Mm -hmm. part advice book for your son. Mm -hmm. Why was this so important to write down for basically your son and for you? Well, I lost my dad when I was young. I was 12 when my dad died. And we hadn't been especially close even when he was alive. Not that we didn't care about each other. We did, but my folks were divorced. He worked a lot. I didn't see him that much. I remember being a young adolescent and kind of looking around at the world and wondering like, what it was men were supposed to do, what men were supposed to be. And as I got older, I realized like, I wish I could have had that conversation with my own dad. And so when it came time for my own son to start thinking about leaving home, I thought maybe I had something to offer him. Some things that I've learned, some things I'm confused about, some stories from my own life. And so I started writing this. So it became, yeah, it's a letter to him. But in a weird way, it's also a letter to my own dad, the conversation that I wish we could have had. Now, how is raising your son through school shootings, gun violence, gender issues, and one of the most politically toxic times in our country change you? One of the blessings, and I use that word advisedly, to come out of the last few years is that I think for a lot of people, wherever you land politically, wherever you land you know, in your life, we've seen so much disruption in the culture that I think it's forced a lot of people to do some pretty heavy self-examination to think about their values, to think about what they believe in, what's foundational for them, to think about their role in their community and in uh, and among their family. It's done all of that for me um, because so much feels unsettled. And in unsettled times, I think we naturally kind of reevaluate our own place in our communities. You know, it's like when you play Boggle, you know, that game with the, with the little letter cubes and you shake it all up and the letters, re, you know, for, and the letters, you know, return to the tray in different combinations and you try to find words. Well, I think this book is like me shaking up the Boggle tray and finding new words to communicate. We first noticed you when you played the character Phil Stubbs on the NBC show, Ed. Mm-hmm. How has your acting and comedy changed over the last 20 years? Well... When I was doing Ed, I was known for a couple things. First was like the character Phil Scuds on Ed. Like I was known for being kind of like an oddball and a weirdo. And then I also could sort of do this sort of sarcastic, really dry thing that I used to do in like, I love the 70s, 80s, 90s, all of that. And like both of those things were really fun and both of those things were successful and both of those things made me money. And then as I started to get a little older, I realized that neither of those things felt like me. And I was really determined to kind of peel back the layers of artifice and become myself. And it sounds like such a dumb thing to say. How do you become yourself? But I wasn't that comfortable in my own skin for a lot of years. And the last 20 years, let's say, have really been for me 
about a process of learning how to become myself. Author Michael Ian Black's new book, A Better Man, he joins us beyond the mic. You break down masculinity in your book and give an amazing measure for us to example. The infinite axis of masculinity. Uh Uh, Even though it's infinite, could you give me two points on extreme ends? Uh, On extreme ends? Sure. Well, it might be easier to just do it with examples. So the infinite axis of masculinity is basically like a line that stretches off in either direction forever. And you can put anything on it and rank it according to how macho or not macho it is. And what's funny about it is that every single guy and woman knows how to rank these things. And it could be anything. Like I'm right now, I'm sitting at my kitchen counter and I have in front of me one of those you know, thermoses, like those metal thermoses that you put hot liquids in. And if you can hear this, there's a little straw that is attached to it. And I think we both understand, you and I both understand that for whatever reason, having a straw in your thermos is less masculine than not having a straw in your thermos. Why would that be? I don't know. But do you disagree? Like a straw is somehow less no. masculine? No, not at all. <laughs> well, I'm not going to have a straw in my thermos. Of course not. Why would you? That would be uh, that would be unmasculine. But why? It makes no sense. And yet, you and I both understand intuitively that that's the case. Here's another example. Like on my kitchen counter right now, I'm doing. I have a half completed crossword puzzle sitting here. We both know, like as far as masculine activities go, crossword puzzles are pretty far down on the list. Why? What difference does it make? And yet, we both know it. Now, how many of the lessons in your book, A Better Man, have you in one way or another tried to show your son Elijah before giving him the book? Oh, well, I mean, you know, I think every parent is modeling the behavior, hopefully modeling the behavior that they want their kids to exhibit. As they get older, I say hopefully because all of us fall short. All of us screw up. All of us, you know, also show our ugly sides and the sides of us that we wish were better. Like when I was, like the book is called A Better Man. That's directed as much or more towards me being a better man than my son. But what I try to do at home is show the truth, which is that like I'm a full spectrum human being. Like, yeah, I do. Traditionally, sneezes, by the way, less masculine than coughs. I don't know why. I do, you know, traditionally masculine things. You know, I'm trying to chop wood for the fireplace or stacking wood for the fireplace. But I'm also cooking dinner. Uh, I'm, when they were little, I was giving them baths and changing their diapers. Um, sometimes I'm angry. Sometimes I'm really sad. Like, we're just full-spectrum human beings. And I think so many men feel like they can't be. Like they have to be a kind of narrow slice of themselves because it's what's expected of them. And they think that if they show weakness to their sons in particular, then their sons will grow up to be weak. And my argument is there is a lot of strength in vulnerability. The ability to let your guard down for a moment, that requires a lot of strength because it means you believe in who you are and that you won't be so easily toppled over. Reading about your family vacations brought you back to the bright yellow station wagon that my dad would drive us around as we searched for some educational oh, spot yeah. mom wanted us to watch. 
<laughs> How did your vacations as a youth change the way that you raise your own son? I mean, is it, were you like, I'm going to torture you like grandpa used to torture me? No. Oh, absolutely not. No, I recognized having suffered through endless car rides to places I had no desire to go, that there was no point in trying to shove history or culture down the throats of my kids. Like, I think, I feel like my mom and her partner would say things like, oh, you'll appreciate it when you're older. No, I don't. I don't appreciate it. I appreciate it now that I am an adult and that I can pursue those things on my own. But I don't appreciate that we sat in car rides five hours at a time to go to Gettysburg Battle Site, which was just a field. Like, I don't appreciate that. I'm annoyed by it. So when we vacationed, particularly when they were little, it was all about just finding a place that had a swimming pool because that's all they cared about. A Better Man is the book. Author Michael Ian Black joins us beyond the mic. One of the best lines of the book, and you may be offended by me picking one line out as the best. If you like any lines in the book, I'm delighted. Quote, how many times have you seen some movie character spit into the dust and mutter something like, I ain't afraid of nothing. Son, I'm here to tell you, that man's a goddamn liar. Talk to me about (laughs) fear. I do think that's a good line. Because I think it's important. So one of the things that I think is really under-discussed when we talk about men and the way we think about traditional masculinity is the idea of fear. And I would argue and will argue that all of traditional masculinity is based on fear, not strength. That the strength that we're encouraged to develop, to guard ourselves, to be to appear invulnerable, to be emotionally distant, all of that, all of those traditionally masculine things, it's all designed to hide our very human terrors. Our terror at, you know, from a very basic level, being killed because so much of being a man historically has been about going off to war, being injured, whether physically or emotionally, not being able to measure up against other men, being humiliated, being rejected. And we as men are instructed to never show that fear. And if anything, to reject fear out of hand. And what I think happens is that fear ends up living inside of us as kind of like a pit within us. And we surround ourselves with as much bluster and puffery as we can imagine, but the fear never goes away. So when that guy spits in the dirt and says, I ain't afraid of nothing, I don't believe him for a second. Because if he's not afraid of getting shot in that duel, then he's insane. And it's okay to be afraid. Strength is about overcoming fear, but it doesn't mean you can't acknowledge it. And that fear is healthy. That fear is is really one of the things that makes us most human because it it allows us to be vulnerable. All those things that we're afraid of are, we wouldn't be afraid of them if we didn't have a stake in them. We wouldn't be afraid of being rejected by somebody if we didn't want their love so badly. Like it's important to acknowledge that fear. It's important to own it. Doesn't mean you let it cripple you by any means. You just own it. 
Now, have you dismantled Elijah's loft bed yet? And have you considered other uses for his bedroom now that he's off the couch? Oh, my God. It was one of the first things we did. He left, and he wanted us to keep it up through his first Thanksgiving. So we did. We honored his wishes. But when he went back right after Thanksgiving, I spent an afternoon dismantling that monstrosity, dragging it out to the driveway, and I hired a, a junk removal team to come and cart it away. It was, and, and his room looks so much better. And does it feel so much better for you? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, who cares what he thinks? Yes, it looks much better for me. Other than the book, what other things did you get your son before he left for college? Uh, a laptop, a new laptop. That was the main thing. I always like asking comedians this because I really like to see where they are. What's the one comedian that changed the way that you looked at comedy? Well, there's probably two. Uh, Richard Pryor and George Carlin. Richard Pryor, because of his just bluntness and honesty and deep humanity and anger, but like kind of righteous anger. And George Carlin has some of those same qualities. But the thing that I love about George Carlin, especially, is how carefully he uses words, how carefully crafted his jokes are um, and his facility with language. So those two things combined are I, I just adore. Now, has the pandemic quarantine changed the way you do things? I've been much more, you know, I've been obviously been home. So I'm one of those people who actually has taken advantage of the time. So I've been doing, taking piano and taking guitar and I took some classes. And then I spend a fair amount of time watching my life savings dwindle away to nothing, which is also fun. So, yeah. It's been great. Time's running out, so it's time for the Rocky Nate. Eight random questions. Answer with the first thing that comes to your mind. There is no pressure. Yep. Favorite starting hand in No Limit Poker? Oh, I mean, always aces. What's the one thing that you do that drives your wife, Martha, crazy? Um, uh, 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 Rearrange condiments in the refrigerator. Now, how do you rearrange them? In order of freshness, alphabetical, or what? It's about being annoyed that there's a half-eaten jar of kimchi in the very place that I want to put the salad dressing, you know, and that kimchi is going to sit there for the next two years. Favorite movie of yours that you weren't in is Miller's Crossing, Cohen Brothers. Very serious question here. What's harder, sandwich artist or cameo artist? Oh, cameo artist. It pays better. Project you've worked on that didn't get the attention you thought it should. Stella on Comedy Central. How do you like your eggs cooked? Scrambled. What charity foundation is important to you? Oh, well, the one that I work on the most, it's a library that was started by Mark Twain in the town in which I live. Mark Twain, it was his final hometown here in Reading, Connecticut, and he founded a library called the Mark Twain Library, and I devote a lot of time to keeping that library up and running and expanding and serving the community. Quien es un más macho? Ricardo Monteblan or Chuck Liddell? Wow, that's a hard one because it's two different kinds of. I'm going to go with. I I know I'm going to get crap for this. I'm going to go with Ricardo Montalban. I told you I was going to ask you that question. <laughs> Warned you that on Twitter. Yes. Where can people find a better man? Anywhere you find uh, books. So you know, if you like Amazon, but the, my preferred. A uh, way to get it is through uh, bookshop.org, which is a block of independent bookstores that sort of operates like Amazon, but they'll sell to you from 
uh, independent books during your year. He's a man of many talents, loves starting out no limit hold'em poker with aces, rearranges condiments in the refrigerator, and loves scrambled eggs. His latest book, A Better Man, is available now. Thank you so much to Michael Ian Black for taking the time to talk with me today. My pleasure. Thanks, Sean. And that, my friends, is Beyond the Mic. <laughs>